Loving Father, we bless you once again this morning. And we pray that, Lord, you help us by your Holy Spirit. You teach us, Lord, what you want us to know. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Today, we're going to start a very small series of teaching, um, about three or four of them. Starting with the cross today, God willing, the next one will be the name of Jesus, and then the resurrection. There is one more, I forget. There are four of them. But today we're starting with the radical cross. Radical cross is the title for today. Radical cross in the Bible, all the four Gospels have detailed accounts of the events which happened on the cross. All four Gospels have um, either the same or complementary with very, very important variances which make the wholesome of the story full, if I may say so. So, 14 pages. Let's see how far we can go. But they are small, don't worry. Introduction. So, the radical cross. Something that is radical affects the fundamental nature of a substance. For it to be radical, it must affect the target. It is far-reaching, and it is thorough. Short definition for radical. Radical cross speaks of the centrality of the cross on which Jesus Christ died. His sacrificial death. That word, cross, radical cross speaks about. This unique event was, sorry, I'm laughing a little bit because of what is coming. Makes me smile. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, slightly out of comfort zone. That's what makes me smile. So that I can get the courage to say what I have to say. <laughs> this unique event was foretold in the Old Testament as the Lord also reminded the two disciples of Emmaus in Luke 24 verse 26 to 27 remember um, how those two disciples were walking and please I've just started don't sleep try not to sleep stand up stretch yourself a little bit state I'm speaking loud enough about the cross if you sleep it's hopeless stand up go out take a glass of water come back sit down stretch a little bit don't sleep, please. 
you've just sung how wonderful Jesus is. You remember how uh, the, the disciple on the road of a, a village called Emmaus in Luke 24, they were talking between them and a third person joined them. And he said to them, what are you talking about? And they said, you're the only one person who lives here in Jerusalem who does not know what has happened. And then they told the story, the report of the lady who had been to the tomb and what they say. And they continued. And the Lord said to them, you people without knowledge. I like the French bit because it speaks of men, les hommes, pas les femmes. Hommes sans intelligence. Men without knowledge. Shouldn't have Jesus come and died according to everything that was written about him. And the Bible says, Luke 24, 26, 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them things concerning him. In other words, Moses and all the prophets spoke about Jesus. His birth, Isaiah seven fourteen, his suffering, him being the Passover lamb, all those things, the brazen, the serpent of the brass in the wilderness, all those things, death, resurrection, suffering, all was foretold in the Old Testament. And the Bible says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them things concerning him. All about Jesus. The Old Testament contains types, shadows, and pointers to the cross in the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament with Jesus Christ in perspective in your mind. Things become clear. Because if you stay at Moses only, there is a veil, the Bible says. That veil is only removed when you turn to Jesus Christ. Then things become to make sense. The Bible says all these things were shadowed. The reality, the substance is Christ. So the Old Testament contains type shadows and pointers to, to the cross. For instance, the serpent of bronze. Moses lifted in the wilderness, pointed to Jesus. Abraham offering Isaac, went to Jesus. Jonah in the belly of the great fish, three day and three nights, pointed to Jesus. Prophecy in Isaiah 53 points to Jesus and many, many, many more, if not all of it. Oh, it goes quick. So, that Christ died on the cross at a place called Golgotha is confirmed by all four gospels, all four of them. Matthew 27, 33, Mark 15, 22, Luke 23, 33, John 19, 17. All four of them confirm that fact. 
The cross speaks of obedience to God, total submission, self-denial, and determination to obey and to follow the Lord. Remember, we're talking about the radical cross. I'm reading for you uh, a quote from the Bible. A reminder from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. If anyone desires to come after me, says the Lord, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Psalm 49 verse 8 I think it is. The redemption of the souls is costly. None of them can redeem either themselves or their brothers. What shall it profit to a man to gain the whole world and lose their own soul? You see, the cross of Jesus Christ becomes a reality in our daily life. I think it's Luke who adds and says, Take up your cross daily. He adds daily to it. So it becomes a daily walk with God. It's no longer just an historical event. Although the power of the historical event will affect in us today, but it becomes a daily reality. Not a passive contemplation or emotional memory. Now, take up your cross and follow me. And that taking up of the cross has its features, which makes it genuine self-denial. Radical cross. Jesus Christ was crucified on that day around 9 a.m., the third hour. That's about 9 a.m. And he died around 3 p.m. That's the ninth hour. But at midday, 12 o'clock, Pilate came and presented to everybody Behold your king. Twelve o'clock. So from nine o'clock to three p.m. Shame, humiliation, um, uh, being spat at, being despised, being mocked, being given sour drink, all suffering from nine to eleven. Shame. Stripped 
of his clothes. Radical cross. Nothing left. Nothing left. During that time, on that day, I think from 12, when he's presented as the king, from that time until he died, there was darkness in this world. The king of kings, nothing held back for you and me. What else do you want God to do? Is there any more, anything more shameful than being left naked publicly? During that time, the wickedness of the heart of man was fully revealed. Fully revealed. Scourging, mockery, hatred to the extreme. Okay. I don't want to look at you to embarrass you, but can I just appeal to you not to sleep? Please. I've been talking only for five minutes. Please, don't sleep. I'm not going to look. You will know who I'm talking about. I'm looking at my notes. Because I can see you. You know, it comes in small steps. You see, you look like this and then you go like this. You don't realize it, but I can see you. you know, look at your Bible, follow, check the scripture, look, do something. In Luke 23, verse 31, if they do these things in a green tree, what will be done in the dry? Who is the dry? You and I. If they do that to the priest of life, Jesus Christ, that kind of mockery and hatred and thing, what would happen to you and I? His followers. Those who have his life in us. They crucified him with two criminals. Oh. King James Version say malefactors. Malfaiteur. Criminals. The son of God. Crucified amongst criminals. As if that was not enough. They even released another criminal. Chief criminal on his estate. To fulfill the desire of the people. Stirred up and encouraged by the chief priest. No. Ask for Barabbas, not him. We want Barabbas. The person who betrayed him, Judas, said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pontius Pilate said, I see no fault. He reminded them two or three times. Do you really want? I don't see why. We should do that. He says the king of the Jews. Crucify. Crucify. After he died on the cross. One man. The centurion. Who was observing at the cross. Said, Surely. This was a righteous man. So innocent. In and out. Totally innocent. 
totally sinless, totally righteous. But the wickedness of the heart of man is revealed. Crucify him. We don't care. Let his blood be on us and our children. They take the curse. We don't care about the consequences. Whatever happened, we just want him died on the cross. Innocence. Innocence. Well, dear brothers and sisters, this is not just uh, an emotional, nice story. So Judah recognized that Christ was innocent, so did Pontius Pilate, so did the Martha, etc. Now we can go to the main read, to the main long reading. Matthew chapter 27, and we're reading from verse 23 to verse 50. That Matthew 27, 23 to 50. Try not to sleep, please. I don't want to sound as I'm singing a lullaby to you. Matthew 27, verse 23. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hand before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see, you see to it. 25. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas, to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, and he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. Verse 28. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted and crowned a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they read in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Verse 30. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him. And led him away to be crucified. Verse 32. Now as they came out. They found a man of Serene. Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha. That is to say place of a skull. They gave him sour wine. Mingled with gold. To drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garment, casting lots 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garment among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Verse 36. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their head and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Verse 41. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribe and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. 44. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 47. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. Amen. So, in verse 4 of that chapter, in verse 4, Judas regrets betraying innocent blood. In verse 20, The chief priest persuades the people that they should ask for Barabbas. Look at the word they are using. And destroy Jesus. Destroy Jesus. Verse 25. All the people accept for the innocent blood of Jesus to be on them and on their children. What a curse. Verse 33. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of skull. 
in Latin that is called Calva, which gave the word Calvary. Calva, Calvary. Okay. Let's look at Golgotha itself because there's no that much we can gain from this. The choice of the place, the meaning of the name, there's not that much you can get, you can gather about this. It is very difficult to interpret the meaning of that place and the name itself. Some Christians believe that the name Scar was given to that place because of the shape of that hill. The form looks like a scar. They believe that that's why they gave that name. But there is also a legend. I call that legend because I take no responsibility of it. There is a legend that says that it is the place where Adam would have killed the serpent after the fall. There's no much discussion about that. It's a legend. But then there is a more wider traditional interpretation. This one has attracted a, a lot of discussion even on academic level in the academia, a lot of writing and research on this one. Again, I take no responsibility, apart from noticing that there is a lot of research going on about this. What is it? A more wider traditional interpretation of the place called Golgotha is that of a Christian thinker and theologian called Origen. Origen. Oregon, who wrote about it around the 4th century AD. What did he say? What did he say? He wrote that Golgotha was the place of the burial of Adam. He wrote that Shem Noah's child, son, had found that place after the flood. He wrote that later on, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, confirmed that place and preserved the place. King of Salem, which is Jerusalem. Found the place and preserved the place. As I said, this interpretation has raised great interest in the academia. People are using the scripture that says, as in Adam all died, all live in Christ, etc., and try to make some reconciliation, etc. Okay. Now, remember we're talking about the cross, radical cross. We now need to go 
in history a little bit and look at the cross. Because the cross can be a little bit confusing. You know, we, we, we don't know what we're talking about exactly. With the cross, cross all over the we don't know. It seems obvious, but it might not be obvious to everybody what the cross is and what it represents. Some of us have just inherited a good story. We've read it in the Bible. There's no substance. There's no reality. It does not affect in our lives. We're very emotional about Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> emotional about it. It means nothing almost. We're talking about the reality, the substance as written in Colossians chapter 2 verse 17. Everything is shadow. Everything is passing. The substance, the reality is in Christ. No virtual, no fantasy, no fake hope, no counterfeit, no parody, no piracy, no imitation, no staging things. But the substance, the reality is what we need. We need a personal encounter, not hearsay. No. Each one must come to the cross personally. Okay. In fact, no cross, no blood, no Christian faith. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that blood was shed on the cross. No cross, no Christianity. Oh. These things were foretold in the Old Testament. We've mentioned that already. Golgotha in Aramaic is called. That's where the name skull, the interpretation of the bone, the skull, comes from. But from Latin, it's Calvary. In case you're confused, or sometimes you read what's crucified on Calvary, on Golgotha, you don't understand what it is, it all means the same thing. You know, uh, in the past, when I used to preach on Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where the Bible says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and the woman's seed. Uh, you will bite, bruise, bruise. Yes. Bruise is hail, but it will crush. There is a difference between the two. You will crush his head. I used to say, the head of the serpent is death. And I used to say he is a skull. He is a sin. Because the strength of death is a sin. The wages of sin is death. And the devil, he is the one pushing people to sin unto death. So by Jesus crushing his head 
and defeating the power of his head, what gives strength to his head, that is sin, the Lord has removed that power. To those who believe in him, he's given them exousia, the power, the privilege, the jurisdiction to be called the children of God. They can now fight against sin because Christ has crushed the serpent head. His thinking environment, Christ has crushed it and removed the power of it. Now, we can live in the forgiveness of God and we can fight the devil and the sin and not be afraid of death because the second death has no dominion on us. Radical cross. Let's look very quickly into history, what happened. How have we reached where we are now with the cross? How have we been from uh, that historical event where Christ was crucified on the cross to iconolatry, and idolatry and the cross means anything and everything it's even scary sometimes when you see the cross in some places it's like magic and death it's even scary you know the sorcerers the magician the mysticist oh everybody's using the cross we don't know which cross we're talking about okay In the early century, this is how he said, you see, God is so wise. You know, when God said, you should not make a representation of godly things, there is a good reason for that. When you start drawing things and making representation, people are so inclined to take that and begin to worship In the early centuries after Christ, people say, oh, we're going to remember the cross. But in order to remember it, we're going to make a representation. But we can't draw Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the lamb, we're going to draw a lamb. We draw a lamb, we put on the cross. After a while, some people came and said, no, that's not quite the right representation. No. You've got to put a human being there. Put a, yeah, but we can't put a human being because, you know, Christ is God and God cannot die. God cannot be crucified. So what can we do? Okay, we're going to put a representation of someone on the cross and then draw something that is like God here who is looking. So God is looking at someone dying on the cross because he cannot die on the cross. And that picture was promoted every day. And then, oh no. Catholics came and said, that's heresy. Jesus Christ is God. 
He was crucified on the cross, but he is God. We need to sort out this. And someone came up with a good idea. Said, okay, we're going to just put someone on the cross, but because God cannot die, he will have his eyes open to show victory. And then they draw some figs, some sculpture. And then someone come and say, no, but yeah, we know there was victory. He has his eyes open, but he doesn't really show that he's suffering in pain. He doesn't show that he died. Let's do different. And someone come and say, let's make him with the eyes closed. (laughs) Good. Praise God. You can laugh. You're loud. (laughs) What am I trying? You see why I was laughing before, yeah? Ah, now you laugh too. It's funny, isn't it? Now you can see why I was smiling. Why I couldn't help. And then the Byzantine Empire came. They were very, very good with artwork. And they painted. They did what has now been popularized. So they look at all the differences, all the the combination of everything that come before, and they've come up with something, and everybody says, yeah, we think this one can be accepted, and that's what is popularized today. Hmm. Wait. In the fourth century, you Western people, you know better than me about uh, Constantine the Great, who came and said, Oh, I had a dream. I saw the cross in my dream. And I heard the voice saying to me, In that sign, go and conquer. And he came and he said, Everybody, when you go to war, you should have your little cross. And all the shields, Roman shield, there was a cross as a sign of victory. That's where it come from. Everywhere they went, everybody has a little cross, a little cross, a little cross, a little cross. And so forth. And then we went, etc. A lot, etc. Now, a little shock. No, not yet. The crucifixion did not start with Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross did not start with Jesus Christ. Electric shock. No, I don't have to be careful. It's historical. In the Persian Empire, 3,000 people died on the cross. In the year 88 before Christ, many, many, many religious called heretics died on the cross. And in the year 32 BC, around that, Pontius Pilate 
declare that Jesus should be put to death on the cross. So there was a long list before. It was a practice for criminals. All the events you see at the cross were being a practice. They, were, they did not start there. You know, stripping from the garment, having the person carrying the cross and walking and being crucified themselves on it, writing the motive for the condemnation. It did not start there. It was for the criminal condemned to death. Imagine, imagine if you having a discussion about the Bible. You're having some apologetics uh, opportunity. And imagine if you're saying the kind of things I'm saying here to a Muslim. Do you think we'll be happy or not? You divided. He will be very happy if you say that. He will say, ah, at least I've found a very honest Christian. So Jesus, what's a big deal about him? He did not start the death on the cross. His cross wasn't the first. So many people, guess what? Even when he was dying, other people were dying on the cross. He wasn't just himself. I want to stir up your might. I want us to be intelligent for God and not superficial. When we talk about the cross, which one? I've told you, after this teaching, the next one will be the name of Jesus. There will be a lot of shocks there as well. Because he wasn't the only one named Jesus. There were other named Jesus as well. Paul speaks of another Jesus. But which Jesus are we talking about? Important to be very clear on what we believe. We don't need all this. We can skip all this. Particularly that they were written manually. So, then there were different crosses. Crosses. So you see all the different crosses you can see around. The bright people, the wise people, the thinkers of this world have divided them into four. They say, oh, there are too many. Let's, let's classify them and have only four. One is called the Greek cross. Well, the Latin word of this, uh, they're very complicated to, to, to pronounce. I leave them out. Then you have something called the Latin cross. Then you have something called the Saint Anthony cross. Then you have something called the Saint Andrew's cross. You see, all these have a very, very difficult name to pronounce. Sometimes they're even scary, the way they are presented. But then there is another one. Then there is something else. Because you're very honorable, intelligent, and respectable people, you certainly know about this one as well. It's called the true cross. It's called the true cross. What is the true cross? 
Saint Helena, who was, I think, the mother of Constantine, visited Israel. And when she came back, she said she had found the actual cross on which Jesus died. And she brought back some woods called the true cross. Guess what? They start selling part of it. Huge business. Huge business. And, and people complain. People say, but she only brought back a, a piece of it. How come they're still selling? It's not finishing. Roman Catholic came with an answer and said, no, because of the blood of Jesus on it, it's replenishing itself. It can't finish. If you cut a part, it grows again. And then it disappeared. It was lost. Huh? And the Romans started looking for it everywhere. They went to attack Persia. They went to attack uh, Byzantine in search to recover the true cross. Money. Fake. Lies. Deception. It's called the true cross. Which cross are we talking about here? Which one? Radical cross. Okay. Few facts. Oh, I've said that already. Jesus was not the first person who ever died on the cross, etc. Secondly, the piece of wood, the physical cross, was not the only cross ever made in the world. That wood, that cross, was not the only cross ever made in the world. Even on the hour Jesus Christ was dying, at the cross was people were dying at stake there. I would like the Christian to be considerate, wise, considerate, scriptural, biblical. Let's read scriptures. Let's search scriptures. Let's be established founded, rooted, grounded in scriptures. Yes, the cross of Jesus has come to be the symbol of the Christian faith, but it was never meant to be worshipped. Never meant to be worshipped. The glorified Christ is no longer in a manger nor is he on the cross. He is risen. Sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. This idea of the crucifix with the sword, etc., etc. Jesus is risen. Do you know what Paul says? I don't want to hear anything else from you. I just want to hear about Jesus and him crucified. Jesus 
crucified, glorified, now sitting at the right hand of the Father as a sign, symbol, affirmation of his total victory. That's the Jesus we worship and we follow. Radical cross. Heretical teaching and religion have turned the cross into a relic. You know what a relic is? A remain of so-called saints. One day I was in the kitchen, I say, bring me a cup of water, a glass of water, Saint Dashilo. She reacted, she said, I'm not dead yet. Yet Paul is writing to the saint in Philippi who are alive, saints, sanctified by Christ, not dead. Few minutes left, now back to the radical cross. The person of Jesus Christ and his salvific, salvific speaks of the work of salvation. There are some theological expressions, soteriology, I don't know in English. But uh, salvific speaks of salvation. The person of Jesus and his salvific work makes the cross special. Ah, now we start talking about the uniqueness of the cross of Jesus. What makes it unique? We talk about the finished works of Jesus Christ, not just his suffering and pain. Careful there. Careful. Because of this uh, dichotomy and controversy, uh, was Jesus both God and human, fully, fully? And, uh, people, and some people have put the emphasis on, uh, on his suffering and pain, etc. Oh, bear with me. Just the sufferings of Jesus, just the pains of Jesus Christ wouldn't have been the finished work. Should I say that again? If Jesus had suffered in the garden agony and said, Father, I don't want to do it, I've suffered enough. This is too painful. That would not save anybody. And God wouldn't be satisfied. He has to he had to die. Careful. You see, people begin to train themselves to be able to bear pain, to try to do as Jesus did in pain. It means nothing. They need to die. Is the death. At the point of death, Jesus said, It is finished. In synchronization of, with heaven. Saint John the Apostle was so in heaven like a lamb who was slain. He saw those things in heaven. It was foretold to Moses. There was a representation. Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And there was eternal impact of what he did. Not just uh, the pain, but the death itself. Because the sacrifice must be fully consumed on the altar in order to obtain atonement in the Old Testament. Careful. Help me out here. 
how do you call that? I think it's called Road of the Cross. And maybe we have good ex-Catholics here. You know, near Easter, there's someone who is carrying something and is walking like this. In French, it's called Chemin de la Croix. Pardon? Oh, it's even complicated. But that, you, you, you see what I mean. So it's someone carrying the cross and going... And they're whipping him slightly with a fake whip, and then he's going like this, and they say he's doing like that. That's follow Christ. That's not what it means to take up your cross and to follow Christ. Fake. Deception. Misunderstanding. Underestimation. Understatement of the cross. The key element of the cross is the blood of Jesus Christ, his life. Leviticus 17, verse 11, the life of the soul is in the blood. Jesus Christ is the joy of the Father, the splendor of heaven, and of its representation in Moses' tabernacle. Jesus Christ is Aaron's rod that budded. Dry rod that budded. Dry wood, the cross on which the green tree was crucified to give life. Oh, when I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. Oh, this is not just a a superficial and emotional consideration. No. This is a deep conviction, a realization of the meaning of what Christ did on the cross and its power affecting today. When I survey the wondrous cross, when I survey, survey is not a light touch. Is a deep, serious consideration, evaluation, serious consideration of the work of Christ on the cross. Where the whole realm of nature, mind that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, does what? Demand my soul, my life my all. That's the conclusion of Isaac Watts in this inspired song. When I survey, when I evaluate, when I meditate, when I discern the work of the cross, there's only one way out in conclusion. That demand my response all to him. If everything, the whole realm of the nature, mine, Nothing can compare to what Christ did. It would be far too small. If the whole world and nature and the beauty was mine, it will avail very little compared to the wondrous cross. Conclusion, it demands my heart, my soul, my life, my all radical cross. Not just emotional. Jesus died on the cross. No. There is a response. Serious. Decisive. A determination. To receive that. To give him our life. Happily to surrender. 
Oh. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. The first part is sorrow. Every man ever died on a cross had sorrow. Blood came out as a result of an external shock, as a result of sorrow for everybody. But love, amazing and divine, only Christ. So that humanity of sorrow mingled down with the love of God flowing demands a response. For us, dear brethren, the cross is not just a piece of wood. It is Christ's identification to it, the green tree and the dry wood. The cross is radical from every way. You look at it, both from God's perspective and from the world perspective, the cross is radical. Our heart is radically wicked. The love of God is radically perfect. You see that on the cross. I don't want to come back to it. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Maybe we will come back to that another time. But still, where are we? Well, I can say all the rest in two minutes without my notes. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's finish then. Bear with me. So, the cross is not just a piece of wood. It is the person who was crucified on it. Jesus Christ who makes that event unique. Innocent blood, love divine, amazing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul speaks of the message of the cross. Paul speaks of the message of the cross. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the cross we're talking about here. The power of God. The radical message of the cross. What does it say? It is finished. It is paid in full. Father, forgive them. Love the Lord, your God, wholeheartedly. Love your enemy. Forgive your brother. Seventy times seven? That's the message of the cross. 490 times? That's the message of the cross. Do unto others what you expect from them. Love, forgive, bless, and do not curse. Hmm. Love your enemy? That's quite a radical statement in this world. Radical cross. No choice. One Bible for all of us. We have all to come under the leadership and headship of Christ and walk by his word. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. To be indeed my disciple. I don't know your situation at the moment. The cross demands you to respond to that. With forgiveness where your heart is closed against someone. Open. Be free. Be delivered. Because Christ wiped out all the ordinances that were against you, but also defeated the power of darkness that you might be free. Free to forgive, free to love. Open your heart. Let go. Radical cross. In Pilgrim Progress, 
a book written by John Bunyan. Christian lost his burden at the cross. John Bunyan wrote, He ran till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross. And little below, in the bottom, a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continues to do so until it came to the mouth of the sepulcher where it fell in and I saw it no more. At the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the way. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You missing this? If you're still carrying your burden yourself. Even as a Christian, if you're carrying burdens yourself, you're harming yourself. It's the idea of someone taking a black cab, sitting in a black cab, and then taking a 50 kilos of a bag of rice on himself. What good will the black cab do to you if you do that? You will be even more tired than if you were working on food. That's what we do as Christians. We are in Christ. We don't even... Enjoy the benefit of the cross. His joy is not there. We sad all the time. We burden. We all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Where is the grace? Where is the lightness? Where is the cross effect in your life? We're gonna close the service. This uh, by singing were you there when they crucified my Lord sing prayerfully while you recommitting your life to Jesus Christ while you telling the Lord blessed Savior I am tired of pretending I want I desire the reality of the cross in my life unto newness of life and victory. Please let's stand up together and sing this song and then we close in prayer.